0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Teporek, and we have a great episode for you today. We're going to talk about a lot of the biggest free agent signings from the past few days including Gordon Hayward to the Celtics, Paul Millsap to the Nuggets, Danilo Gallinari to the Clippers, and George Hill to the Kings. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you could follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on Fanrag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at Fanrag Sports, and for their NBA content, at Fanrag NBA. Though a lot of the big free agent signings have already come and gone. We still have a bunch of restricted free agents on the market. Derrick Rose is still out there. So there's a lot of free agencies still to happen. We're also covering Summer League. Uh, Zach Harper of FanRag is at the Utah Summer League right
0: now Store clearance. Posted a great piece on Markel Fultz, So check all of that out at
1: FanRag Sports. Joining me today, as always, is my trusty co-host Morton Jensen. Mort, how's it going?
2: I'm slightly disappointed, Brian, because you called my love for Donovan Mitchell irrational on Twitter yesterday.
1: (laughs) You have him as the third best player in this draft class. I'm standing by irrational.
2: We'll see, Brian. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's true. He did look good as he uh, eliminated or set my Sixers down to 0-2. My poor summer Sixers.
2: And because we can talk about this in in contrast to uh, uh, Gordon Hayward leaving and George Hill leaving, he's going to have plenty of opportunities in Utah now
1: he is he is so before we go into the gordon hayward nonsense uh our third co-host sarah chilea could not join us today she will hopefully be back we're planning on doing another episode this weekend knock on wood where we do a bigger picture focus on free agency kind of the big winners and losers so today we're just going to focus on you know a lot of the big news that happened since we last recorded on saturday i believe so as you mentioned gordon hayward's the biggest one. On the 4th of July, news leaked around noon central time that Chris Haynes of ESPN was the first to report that he was going to be signing with the Celtics. Uh, Quickly, uh, his agent went to uh, Haynes' colleague, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, and said, no, no decision has been made. So for the next like five hours, everyone is just refreshing Twitter (laughs) constantly trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Finally... Around uh, 5.45 Central time, Gordon Hayward posts his Inevitable Players Tribune article, says, Thank you, Utah. I'm piecing. I'm joining my college coach, going to Boston on a four-year, 128 million max deal, fourth-year player option. So, because the salary cap came in at 99 million instead of 101 million, the Celtics now are in a little bit of trouble because they cannot afford Gordon Hayward at that price point. As is, They need to trade one of Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, or Avery Bradley. Uh, So they are working toward that goal right now. There's discussion about maybe doing a sign-in trade with the Jazz with Jay Crowder, um, you know, just to clear out the the requisite cap space to sign Hayward. So, Morton, I want to ask you a couple things about this Hayward thing. So let's go from the Jazz perspective first. Uh, You know, the sentiment, especially once uh, word trickled out, that they might do a sign-and-trade. There were a few Jazz uh, beat reporters who basically said, you know, that's the least Hayward could do is, you know, orchestrate the sign-and-trade, get Crowder back to Utah. He owes the Jazz that much, especially after how Tuesday went. Do you buy into that sentiment?
2: Uh, no, that's that's pretty harsh. Just because you have, like, a malfunction in your communication doesn't mean that you should just <laughs> bend over and do everything to get the Jazz's starting caliber player just because of it. Like, I would agree that it would be a nice thing to do because he did give up a lot of years in, or he did did play a lot of years in Utah and left them for essentially nothing. And I'm always a big proponent of teams getting something for their player who's going to leave. Um, And and having said that, you know, Jay Crowder is like a small forward, power forward. They seem to have plenty of those in Boston. So if there's anything Boston could afford to lose, it's probably a forward. Not that they should, necessarily. If Boston could get out of it and, you know, trade Marcus Smart or something instead and get under um, the cap to the point that they can sign Hayward outright, then that would be my priority. Uh, then hey, or then Crowder would come at a later date because I don't think there's a spot for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, they, they do have a logjam, especially Jalen Brown, their number three pick from last year. Jason Tatum, their mm-hmm. number three pick this year. They have a bunch of forwards. So, like, position-wise, Crowder is their least needed of the three. That said, he's the only one locked up beyond 2017-18. Uh, Smart and Bradley Smart will be restricted free agent Bradley will be unrestricted Crowder meanwhile is on one of the best contracts in the NBA So for that reason you might not want to trade him And you might want to keep him around As a small ball four So going back to the Does Hayward owe the Jazz anything Hell no he doesn't owe the Jazz anything Like he gave them seven years of his career Um, You know they. I I hate to go back to this Because this led to a ridiculous conversation On Twitter yesterday but back in 2013, they were negotiating an extension with him. And according to Mark Stein, who was with ESPN at the time, uh, Hayward wanted an extension at $13 million. The Jazz would budge from $12 million. So a $1 million difference. They couldn't reach an extension. He instead goes to restricted free agency. He signs an offer sheet with the Charlotte Hornets, you know, the, same, the deal that he was on, four years, fourth-year player option, Utah matches. If Utah doesn't do that, if Utah gives him an extra $1 million, you know, four years ago, he's still a part of the Jazz because he's not going to have that fourth year player option in all likelihood. Right. And then at that point, you know, he, yeah, maybe he maybe he was going to leave no matter what. Maybe he just wanted a new challenge. But if we're really to believe that the Brad Stevens connection is what drew him to Boston, Boston's going to be you know it's going to be far more difficult for Boston to add a big name free agent next summer when you have to deal with Bradley Smart, Isaiah Thomas all getting new contracts than it was this summer when they had close to 30 million. Yeah. So like spare me the sorrow about Utah. I know it sucks that he leaves, but like he doesn't, you know, he played 7 years there and if you really wanted to keep him around, you wouldn't have haggled over 1 million dollars
2: 4 years ago. I would agree. There's yeah. there's nothing to say there. I mean, yeah, it it's it's not looking at the long game at all, mm-hmm. especially over a one million dollar difference. Look, they they knew that he would they they would risk he going to restricted free agency. Like he was undoubtedly going to get a large contract above you know what they offered anyway. So mm-hmm. it just they, they could have nipped it in the bud and just offered the extra mil and just be done with it. I mean. Look, the the Bulls and Jimmy Butler, same thing. You know, I mean, they they insisted that he should get like I think it was forty five million, and he wanted Mm -hmm. fifty. Like, could you imagine Jimmy Butler being extended before he broke (laughs) out, averaging something around eleven million a year or earning eleven million a year? That would Mm -hmm. be the league's best contract. So, there is definitely value for NBA teams to lock up players beforehand if it turns out that that sort of guy is going to be cheap for an extended period of time. And the Jazz just didn't. And it's it sucks. Like, I thought Hayward West was actually going to stay in Utah. I thought the connection there was legitimate. I still, that's harsh. I think the, the connection there was legitimate. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just think he saw greener pastures like very really right. early.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, that, you look at what the West has done this offseason. Mm-hmm. Look at the talent flood for, or influx from the East to the West. You know, if you're looking at building a legacy, Gordon Hayward, like we just saw in the West and Utah, he didn't make the All-NBA team, which prevented him from getting the Supermax deal. Yeah. Um, In the East, like, he's almost guaranteed an all-star spot if he's healthy, right? Like, who's going to beat him for an all-star spot in the East?
2: Oh, absolutely. And probably, I mean, he could be a starter. Right,
1: exactly. So, like, when you're talking about building your legacy, like yeah staying with Utah they have a really fun young promising team like Rudy Gobert is great Ricky Rubio is great Rodney Hood could be really good same with you know your boy Donovan Mitchell Uh, Dante Exum Alec Burks if he stays healthy even Derek Favors so they have a lot of like good young talent but they're also at a conference with like now 10 or 11 other teams that could feasibly make the playoffs whereas in the east we are like racking our brains trying to figure out like who's gonna be the sixth seed there isn't You know, like, there are five good teams in the East right now. So, for that reason, you know, it makes total sense for him to have left. Um, I want to go back to the restricted free agency thing. And not, I don't want to, like, blame the Jazz for letting him do that. Because, you know, it sometimes makes sense to let a guy find an offer sheet and say, yeah, we'll match it. Like, it's a risk either way, right? Like, because you could sign a guy to a big offer sheet. Or to a, a big extension, and he might not have been able to find that offer sheet next summer. We saw that with Andre Roberson uh, in OKC this year. He just got a three-year, thirty million dollar deal. He turned reportedly turned down like I think four years, forty-eight million or something like that um, last, you know, last September, October, whatever. Uh, probably, you know, if the Thunder hadn't signed Victor Oladipo to a four-year, whatever eighty million dollar mm. extension, he had there's no way he's getting that money this summer, right? Like, if KCP is still on the market, there's no way Victor Oladipo is getting $20 million. So, like, I don't, you know, it is sometimes smart for teams to let their players test restricted free agency because, yeah, let them set the market and then you have freedom to match. But teams, you know, construct offer sheets, and we see that with Sean Marks, especially in the Brooklyn Nets. They construct offer sheets that are, especially difficult to match. They could put in a fourth year player option. They can put in a trade kicker. Um, prior to this year, they had the poison pill thing where it could jump, you know, for second year or uh, second round picks and undrafted pre agents. It can jump a huge amount from the first two years to the second two years. So it's just like, there are risks either way with that approach. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that colors what happens. You know, Utah has this coming up again with Rodney hood. Rodney hood is now eligible for an extension. Uh, Dennis Lindsay has said, like, look, with Hayward gone, you know, he has a chance to break out as our primary scorer. So I'm really interested to see what happens with Rodney Hood's discussion, extension negotiations this fall. Like, does Utah try to get him locked up now? You know, seeing what happened just happened with Hayward, like going back a couple of years and thinking, like, damn, if we had locked him up, you know, he's still a member of the Jazz in this coming season.
2: Right, they should, because... You know, you, you make an, a valid point about some players should go into restricted free agency because you know it, it makes sense for them to set the for for teams to let other teams set the market. But there are players that you just don't take that course with. Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. was one of those guys. You should have just locked him up. He just came off a sixteen point five rebound five assist season. He was what twenty three at the time. Mm-hmm. And he had proved in seasons prior that he could hit the three ball at a 40% clip. He had proved by then that he could get to the line a lot more, that he could carry a, a heavier offensive load. Like, there was no way they should have let him enter restricted free agency. And and that goes for a lot of players. Like, if you're, I don't know, Nikola Miritic, who's in a free agent, restricted free agent right now. Like, that's mm-hmm. a guy you let... You know, go out and get an offer because if that offer is too is too rich for you, you just, you know, okay, fair, fair enough. We can lose a Nikola, Nikola Mirotic and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But a Gordon Hayward? No, no, just get the extension done. That's also why I've kind of flip-flopped a little bit on the whole Joel Embiid extension thing. Just lock yeah. him up. Just yeah. lock him up. Uh, yeah. It's still a risk because of the injury concern, but lock his ass up.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Embiid a lot this summer, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm in that same no. boat. because, really? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just especially, I mean, going to the Jazz for a second. I mean, I think market size plays a big part in this too, right? Like the Jazz are not typically a big free agent destination. So if you have a guy like Hayward, who has the potential to develop into an all-star, that should also influence your thinking a little bit. Whereas, a, you know, the Lakers, Julius Randle is eligible for an extension. I don't think Julius Randle's getting an extension this fall. Just, you know, yeah. I, you, you, especially because the Lakers are trying to preserve all their cap space for next summer and make their big free agent splash. Like, if you think you can get a big free agent, yeah, sure, whatever. Let them test the market. But mm. for a team like Utah that traditionally does not get big free agents, like, you got to take care of your own. And so Embiid it it has his own very complicated circumstances because of the injury history. Um, the Sixers can only offer two five year, or they, I mean, all teams can only have two guys coming off of rookie scale contracts signed to five year extensions at one time. So, because the Sixers have, you know, they have Embiid, but they also have Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz, one of those three guys, if, you know, if all three of them stay with the Sixers for the next five, six, seven years, only two of them can get the five year max. So, like, do you give it to Embiid now, given the injury history, No. and then guarantee that Simmons or Fultz will not yeah. get one? Do you wait until next summer, like there, you know? And then if it's the five year, uh, it has to be for the max.
2: It has, it has, to, has to be right. at least right. right. So it has
1: to be at least twenty five percent. You know, you could hope maybe Embiid loves Philly so much uh, he just wants the contract security now. He signs a four year extension that's below the max, like Steph Curry did, you know, back in the day, and he becomes one of the biggest bargains in the NBA. Maybe that happens, but then you're sacrificing your t- team control over him. So yeah. a lot of complicating factors with Embiid, which we will talk about, uh, you know, once free agency dies down a bit. I do want to focus on the Boston side of things uh, for a second here, because, look, we, we know Gordon Hayward's going to be a good fit with Boston, right? We Obviously a good signing, even if they have to give away one of Bradley, Crowder, Smart, worth the price. Yeah. That said, how do you see them uh, compared to Cleveland and the East and then Golden State? Does this push them over Cleveland? Are they now a real threat to Golden State, or do you see, still see them as a slight step behind both?
2: They're a threat to Cleveland. That's mm. how I'd put it. Like, I could see them having a hard, tough-out series with the Cavs and maybe winning. I'd, I'm not sure... Like. Either way, if they can go toe-to-toe with Cleveland as of right now, but if they get their reps in, and all depending on what's going to happen with the Cavs, like team chemistry-wise, that might just go down the crapper this season. And If that's the (laughs) case, then Boston would be my favorite uh, to Mm -hmm. go on. But I I think they're a lot closer to Cleveland than they are Golden State. As currently constructed, Boston is not going to beat golden state they might get a game in or two if they go that far and if if golden state has like one major injury knock on wood that that doesn't happen then sure they they might make a series out of it but good lord that's still that hill is just so goddamn big
1: right yeah especially i mean the cons- defensive concerns with Isaiah thomas are still there right oh yeah you know he, especially against steph curry like steph curry's got six inches on him A rebounding
2: problem still. Like Gordon Hayward doesn't fix the rebounding problem.
1: Right, yeah, which is the one place, theoretically, that is like the one area of weakness for the Warriors. So I'm with you in thinking, you know, yeah, they're not going to beat the Warriors this year in all likelihood. You know, crazy things happen. Kevin Durant could break his leg. You know, they thought he did last year. So if that happens, it's anyone's ball game. But yeah, as you said, the Cavs, I mean, that's why... Kudos to the Celtics, and we'll talk about the Raptors shortly as well. But, like, I respect these teams for going all-in in in the East because the Cavs right now, we really don't know what they're going to look like in a year. So, like, the Eastern Conference, you know, LeBron is riding, what, seven straight trips to the finals. It seems like he is the unstoppable obstacle. LeBron might not be in the Eastern Conference after this year. So, for that reason, kudos to Boston, kudos to Toronto. like, You guys are doing the right thing because you have a team that is already assembled to compete with them and you might be the favorite in the East come next summer, depending Mm. on what happens with LeBron. Um, So so let's move to Paul Millsap uh, and we're going to, this has just been a theme I would say throughout free agency, right? So like we going into free agency we all expected the numbers that were thrown around last year. So, a guy like Evan Turner or Kent Bazemore getting four years, 70 million. Kim Noah getting four years, 72 million. The market has not reflected that this summer. So, we expected Kyle Lowry, you know, w- when we were worried about Lowry with the Raptors, it was because, like, do you want Kyle Lowry at five years, 200 million? Do you want Paul Millsap at four years, 150 million? Paul Millsap with the Nuggets, three years, ninety million, third year team option. Now, Mort, you've been praying that Millsap landed on the Nuggets for a while now. How do you feel about that value for him?
2: I actually prayed for him to land in Minnesota, but with the, you know, with the caveat that if he were to land in Denver, it would just make so much sense because he's that mm. veteran presence. I love the deal. I love the fact that teams are handing out the three-year deal as opposed to the four-year deal for these mm-hmm. older guys. Because Millsap is 32, there would be no sense in signing him for like a full guaranteed four years. And this is essentially a 2 plus 1. So, yeah. I mean, that makes it even better. If he starts to drop off significantly after age 34, Denver can just cut their loss. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it's just, it's smart GMing. Uh, and yeah. for in terms of the fit, I mean, good lord, Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap playmaking from out of the post or even the high top. Uh, just, they they need to get some cutters and some shooters, and then they could be rolling offensively. They already are. Like they had one of the most potent offenses last year, so th- they only added to it. Right now, they lost Gallinari, but hell, I'll take that.
1: Yeah, if you're right, if you're going to swap out Gallinari for Millsap, that's yeah, a that, trade. That's
2: that's, that's a no brainer right there. I mean, right. I, I, and I and I like Gallo, but he's he's frequently injured. Mm-hmm. He's not much of a defender. He's not much of a rebounder or a playmaker. He's like a shooter and a scorer. He he, he had that one ability that the Nuggets are going to miss now that he could get to the line a ton. Yep. Paul can do that as well, but I'm not sure that his age is more inclined to to make him like this interior presence that's just going to draw a shit ton of fouls. Mm-hmm. I, have a te- I have a feeling that he's going to step outside a little bit more also to make room for Jokic. So, they need to find someone who can who can draw that foul. And that, that might be Jamal Murray if he gets some driving lanes. Or Gary. No, you know what? Gary Harris probably is a, bet, yeah. a better bet because he's built like a tank. <laughs>
1: right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And they have, as you mentioned, they have the shooters. Yeah, they're going to miss Gallo, but Millsap has three point range. I mean, yeah. he's not a Gallinari level shooter, but you know, he can he's at least stretch player. the four. Yeah, he's passable. And but Yoke they can have. Can shoot. Yeah, Jokic can shoot, can shoot. They have Harris. They have Jamal Murray. They still have Wilson Chandler. They have Will Barton. They've got some interesting options. I I like them.
2: Oh, wait a second.
1: Oh, no. Too soon. (laughs) Um, I like them, though, because, like, you know, we've been talking a lot about positionless NBA and, like, do you need a ball-dominant point guard in this era? Like, Denver might go completely point guardless, right? Like, Jamal Murray will be the de facto point guard, quote-unquote. But, like, at any one point... It could be Jokic, Millsap, Harris, or Murray leading the offense, which is going to make them a nightmare to guard.
2: Well, you, if you go back all the way to, back to, you know, Phil Jackson's Bulls and Phil Jackson's Lakers, mm-hmm. there wasn't that traditional point guard. That, those right. were theoretical shooting guards in the point guard position because Derek Fisher was not a traditional point guard by any means um, imaginable. He was yep. a spot-up shooter. He did not handle the ball a whole lot. Kobe did. Mm-hmm. Ron Harper, not the best spot-up shooter, but he was more like just a security blanket. If everything fell apart, you would give him the ball that he could handle a little bit. So we've seen this before. Now we're just seeing it switch because the big men of the game have gotten guard skills. Yeah, And that is, I mean, that's wonderful, especially for Jokic. Like Jokic is going to be a point center. And if we look at the Clippers who got Golinari they're mm-hmm. probably going to go point Blake yeah all throughout the season so uh we are definitely seeing an an nba that has taken this positionless basketball um to, to its core really and it's really really interesting and very exciting it's also kind of ironic that this movement lands in the middle of the golden age of point guard stuff
1: i know <laughs> yeah but, I mean, you know, look at—Lonzo Ball, yes, is a traditional point guard. Uh, you know, yeah. I'd say a lot of the other guys that came out this year, especially in the draft, like, they don't necessarily fit the archetype of a Chris Paul. Of right. a You know, they, they're more in the mold of, like, Dennis Smith Jr. got a lot of comps to Russell Westbrook, which— you know, I don't know if he's as athletic because I don't know if anyone's as athletic as Russell Westbrook, but he's that type of player. Um, right. Markel Fultz, the Sixers are going to use as a combo guard. his first summer league game they basically played him at the two. So yeah, you know it is funny that we do still have all of these elite point guards, but like I think the we, we've said it time and again before, you know the Warriors have proven having more shooters, more ball handlers, more passers on the floor, just makes you that much harder to guard. And to your point about Denver, once you know Jokic got off to a slow start last year because they were trying to force him and Nurkic to play together and just didn't work out. But then once uh, once he moved back into the starting lineup and Nurkic got benched, I think it was December fifteenth. I'm pretty sure the Nuggets had the best offense in the NBA from that point forward. So like <laughs> adding Paul Millsap to that core. That leads into my next question. You know, again, we've seen the West at pretty much every team has gotten better uh, with the exception of maybe the the Suns who really haven't done that much, but even they got Josh Jackson. So they've gotten better. Every team has gotten at least somewhat better. So where do you see Denver falling in the playoff hierarchy now?
2: Oh, are we already at that point where we have to discuss playoffs? Good Lord, Brian. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot here. I, I don't... Yeah, Millsap is just such a huge weapon for him, especially in terms of his leadership, his experience, his defense. Eighth seed, something around that. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's the thing: I can't look at the Western Conference and say, "Oh, Denver is like a top five team." I just, I can't. But I also can't be absolutely certain that they're you know, not a playoff team, it's really up in the air. There are so mm-hmm. many dangerous teams right now. You have Minnesota, who last year was on the outside looking in. I have them as like a lot to go to the second round now, even with their lack of shooting, because mm-hmm. that the talent is so insane, really. You have Dallas, who got surprisingly better. They could fight a l- at mm-hmm. least a little bit. Memphis is probably going to go a little bit down, mm-hmm. because they lost Zach Randolph, and you know, Marcus saw is getting older Mike Conley is getting older we're not you know Vince Carter might leave as well we're not really sure what yep. he, he took a meeting with the Kings I know yep Tony so, Allen
1: might leave Jamaica so, Green it sounds like is gonna leave yeah so, so yeah Grizzlies are definitely getting worse
2: yeah they're getting worse it feels sort of safe to say the seventh or eighth spot right for Denver yeah
1: yeah, see, I mean that's that's kind of what when we can seg right into the Clippers here with Gallinari, who they've acquired in a sign and trade, three years, sixty-five million. I think it's all fully guaranteed. So yeah, like Golden State's clearly the top team in the West. Hmm. San Antonio and Houston, barring catastrophic injuries to James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, they should be safe. After that, it's like Minnesota, OKC, Denver, Portland. I feel pretty good about all of them, but that's already seven teams. Now we've got Utah, we have the Clippers, we have Memphis, we have Dallas, we have New Orleans. We have
2: Sacramento.
1: Right. We have the Kings. So, like, I mean, there are feasibly, you know, I probably put the Kings outside looking in on the playoff picture. Yeah, Uh, but
2: still, like, they're not going to be as bad as they were.
1: Right. Yeah. They're at least, like, somewhat competitive now. Uh, but what, that's 12 teams that have legitimate playoff aspirations? Yep. Yep. So that was kind of my point with the whole Denver thing. Like, yeah, you know, you, you added Paul Millsap, but like you're still not guaranteed a playoff spot, which is insane. It just like speaks to how good the West has become. So let's talk about the Clippers now. Another team where, you know, they lost Chris Paul, they got a bunch of valuable pieces, assets in return, including Patrick Beverly, um, Sam Decker, Lou Williams, Montreal Harrell a top three protected pick from Houston that they sent, I believe in the sign and trade for Gallinari to Atlanta. Um, so now, you know, you got to figure, uh, which they also sent Jamal Crawford, which is a bummer because I really wanted to see Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams on the same team. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> if, if we're worried about the too many uh, or not enough balls problem in Houston for Chris Ball, and James Harden, imagine a Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams backcourt. It would have <laughs> been spectacular. Um, but yeah, we're now looking at probably a Clippers team that's starting, I mean, let's go from the back. <laughs> definitely DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Dan- Danilo Gallinari, 3-4-5, Patrick Beverly at the one, probably Austin Rivers at the two. Yeah, definitely Austin Rivers. You, you've got Lou Williams, Decker, Harrell off the bench. Is that a playoff team?
2: No, because I don't think that neither Blake nor Gallinari is going to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. When's the last time they played a full season? Yeah. So, and and again, they need a shot creator. Like Griffin is a playmaker for others. He's not a guy who is consistently going to create his own offense.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Gallo, he can on occasion, but he's not like a full-time creator. Then you have Austin Rivers, <laughs> which <laughs> I don't want him to create a lot of offense for himself. Right, really. right. So, so you're really, it's, it, it, it becomes a game of the sum has to be larger than individual parts. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I question whether it is like, I okay. love Patrick Beverly yep. and he's has to run the show. He has to be the de facto defender, you know, guarding the best perimeter player and whatnot. But, and I think he's going to do well in that role, but with the players around him, I'm just not sure that it's enough. Like you, you are going to see a more potent offense when everyone is healthy. And that's that's good. It's probably going to be a little more unexpected offense than it was with Chris and JJ and Blake and DeAndre because that was just scripted all the way to the point where you could sort of see what they were going for. Okay, high pick and roll, JJ coming off some floppy action, hit him there and he turns around and shoots like it was just it was the same thing over and over again for four years. So now Mm -hmm. you're going to get a lot of different looks. Which is exciting, but I don't think it's gonna work out at least initially. If they work out their kings, then maybe next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, if they stay healthy, if they at least have a chance. Oh yeah, it's... sure.
2: Like if they're if if Blake and Danilo Gallinari surprises and plays seventy plus games both. I mean, that's huge.
1: Yeah but I I share your concerns. I feel like they're kind of building in the same model as Houston was last year where they're like, all right, we can't slow down the Clippers. So let's just add a bunch of shooters and try to outscore them and win like 130 to 125. Cause like (laughs) their defense is going to be atrocious because Danilo Gallinari.
0: Oh yeah. He's so
1: bad.
2: Right. Griffin isn't a whole lot better. Deandre is very overrated. By the way, you know, the Clippers kinda screwed me a little bit because I was absolutely certain they were gonna nane a Blake Griffin. Oh,
1: I know. Yeah. the
2: the, the Gallo trade just whoop, that took that away.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they could they could try to flip him later, I guess, but Doc Rivers yeah, but as long as Doc Rivers sense. is in charge, they're not gonna try to rebuild yeah. and they're just gonna trade away draft picks and be hard capped forever. Um Let's move over to the Eastern Conference for a little bit. We've got Kyle oh, you mean Lowry, G League. G League. Oh you mean. God, yeah. G League. Yeah. Um, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka both coming back to the Raptors. Lowry three years, a hundred million. Ibaka three years, sixty-five million. Why did you think about those two deals?
2: Love the three years again. I've said yeah. it before. I'm saying it again. Even even with Ibaka, because look, I love Serge Ibaka, but his game has slightly declined, I want to say. I'm not sure if that is controversial, but it does seem like he isn't as explosive as he used to be. So mm-hmm. I think that could have factored in a little bit. Um, three years for him, three years for Kyle. It keeps the core together for for a three-year window to just take all-out advantage and honestly hope for injuries for their part, uh, perspective for Boston, mm-hmm. Cleveland, and Golden State. But it, it's not going to make it any sort of difference they're probably going to be a second round team maybe they get lucky one year and make the conference finals again and then that's about it but i like the fight i like the strategy and also these contracts are now tradable yeah it's not like they are going to get locked in for years and years and years and years
1: right yeah, I mean, it sounds like right now, I believe with those two contracts alone, they're in the luxury tax. So it sounds yeah. like they're trying to shed contracts. Damari Carroll, I've heard, floated. The interesting one's Jonas Valanciunas, who we have long advocated to play more. But
2: Hey, then, then by all means, trade him so he gets a fucking chance somewhere.
1: <laughs> right. Well, so here's the thing, though. Do you think Ibaka is better suited? You know, you mentioned that he's kind of... If he hasn't declined, he's at least stagnated. Yeah. So do you think he's better suited now to play the five rather than the four? And if so, is that incentive to then go ahead and trade JV?
2: That's a good word. Stagnated. That's a good word. That's better than, than declined. I agree. I, I would use him as a, as a as a five man, probably. He's more of a rim protector, and he can still stretch. And if you have like a a five man who can go out and shoot threes... And you mm-hmm. actually get a, a power forward there who can also stretch the court. I mean, hell, it could actually be Demarre Carroll. Yeah, I mean, exactly. theoretically speaking. Mm-hmm. Then you get all-out spacing that DeMar DeRozan can take advantage of. Yep. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. No, um, whether it justifies them moving Jonas Valanciunas, I guess on some level. I don't think it's justifiable to screw him around for that many years and then trade him off afterwards. It could <laughs> right. be stupid, but... If that's their logic, then go ahead and do it as long as Jonas actually gets a shot somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, theoretically speaking, it would give them more flexibility from an outside perspective, I I guess. And if Ibaka regains some sort of shot-blocking presence, he's really dropped down in that area. Like, he's just under one and a half, I think, last Mm -hmm. year, where he used to be three, three Three and and a half. half. Yeah, I mean, if he can regain some of that, that would be huge for the center position for, for Toronto. And would also give them a much-needed shot-blocking presence. Like, That's the one thing I always felt they really needed when you looked at them. You never feared going up against them because you knew you could take it to the rack. You mm-hmm. always knew that you could go against Jonas. You could go against Patrick Patterson. You could go against these guys because there just wasn't that defensive interior presence. Like, If you move Ibaka there and tell him, you know what? just focus on two no three things honestly block shots rebound the basketball and hit open threes in transition yep why not i mean that'd be fine
1: right i mean i feel like the worst thing like i don't blame again i don't blame the raptors for running it back because as i mentioned earlier we just don't know what's going to happen with cleveland next year and Mm -hmm. like you know again (laughs) you and i picked toronto when we were doing our playoff hot takes we picked them To the finals, but that, you know, that was with... I have no
2: idea what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) That was with PJ Tucker and Patrick Patterson, who they have both lost this summer. So that those are big losses, but I mean, I think, you know, now that you effectively have the same core aside from those two, if you can't find a taker for Jonas Valanciunas, and like going through the league, there isn't a huge demand for ground-bound centers. Like you might have to attach an asset just to get rid of him, which seems... Harsh but true. Um, I feel like Sean the big, Marks,
2: though.
1: Uh, yeah, Sean, that's true. Yeah, and the Knicks are still the Knicks. Like they, who knows what they're gonna do. Um, but the, you know, the thing, I feel like, if you have Ibaka at the five, Carroll at the four, Norman Powell moves into the starting lineup to give you more oh, shooting.
2: Oh, I like that one. Yeah.
1: That you know you gotta try something new because what works. defense. With, yeah. So like what you did last year clearly didn't work. You have OG now coming off the bench to maybe fill that same role that Norman Powell did. That yeah. you know, I, I again, I don't know if it I don't think they beat the Warriors. I don't know if they beat the Cavs or this new look Boston team, but like
2: no, Chicksing up. Yeah.
1: I think yeah. it's at least puts them in the conversation. They'll they'll still You know, they basically, if they stay healthy, they're almost guaranteed a top four seed along with Boston, uh, Cleveland, and then one of Washington or Milwaukee. So this whole regular season for them should just be about experimentation and trying to figure out a way to create some sort of a rotation that is capable of beating the best teams in the East and the Warriors, God forbid, um, if they get that far. But I I feel like they got to shake something up big time.
2: They were supposedly shopping Corey Joseph.
1: Oh, right, to the Pacers before. Right.
2: Uh, yeah. I'm not really crazy about that. I hope that they no. stop shopping him. Me because it, here's, here's actually an interesting thought. He played well when he was starting. Mm-hmm. To the point where I almost felt that you couldn't really take him out of the starting lineup.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you actually start him as your traditional point guard. You slide Lowry over to the two, at least offensively. Like, play mm-hmm. him off the ball because he's such an explosive uh, shooter anyway. Like, he can be run off screens and take yeah. spots up. Mm. And then defensively, you have Corey Joseph guarding the two because he's a, he's like a sturdy six three,
1: mm-hmm.
2: with, with very, very nice defensive mechanics. Like, when he goes on, his head is back... His body moves really, really strictly. Like you can see the Popovich pedigree just being right. working to him. So uh, I wouldn't, I, I would feel very confident in Joseph as a defender in such, in, in the starting lineup.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Even guarding twos who might be a little bit bigger, might be a little bit stronger. Mind. Yeah. I would I wouldn't mind that at all. And if Joseph could get that reliable corner three in there somewhere, sure. But I'm also digging the Norman Powell thing. I think Norman should get a bigger role. Like, he yeah. was he was fantastic.
1: I feel yeah, I feel like Norman no matter whether he starts or comes off the bench is definitely heading toward 30 minutes a night. The, the Corey yeah. Joseph thing's interesting. Uh I feel like the big concern there would be who's your backup point guard?
2: DeLon Wright might be time.
1: Oh. It's first year. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh but you know, it, it's, it's certainly worth tinkering with. Again, I just feel like that's what Toronto should do. Like, who gives a shit about wins and losses this year? Again, yeah. you're going to be a top four seed. You're probably not going to get home court advantage, you know, above Cleveland or Boston. So, play around. Like, figure something out because you know you you can't you can't afford paying the luxury tax to get swept in the second round again. So, so if... yeah.
2: To your point about trying something new, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this West East thing. Because last time we we recorded a podcast, I mentioned that the East-West problem is only going to get worse because you have seven teams in the West and seven teams in the East who are you know going to be in the lottery regardless. Right. right. So that means if the West is going to win the lottery, they are only going to get bigger and better or and tougher and whatnot. So I was looking over, you know, the Eastern Conference tendencies in recent years, and it struck me that. East teams are extremely traditional and they keep the same lineups over and over and over again. They are very much less experimental Mm -hmm. than Western Conference teams. Like, they Mm. are... East teams are just less inclined to slide people out of position and try something new. Mm. That might be a theme going into this season that we should look at because, you know, the Raptors have churned out the same lineup. Atlanta, for many years, the same thing. It's just... These middle-of-the-road teams, they do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, which is, you know, by definition, insanity.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, I feel like Miami was the nice exception to that rule, uh, even back in the LeBron era, but even last year, too. You know, James Johnson was kind of the multi-position do-it-all guy uh, who hopefully they'll bring him back. But yeah, I mean, Boston this year, I think, will have that same kind of a look because that, that's what they've been talking about. Brad Stevens today, uh, there was an article that came out where he's like, I don't think of the traditional five positions anymore. I think you're a ball handler, you're a winger, you're a big. That's it. Yeah. And you, like all of those guys, Marcus Smart could play one through three, Jay Crowder could play two through four, Jalen Brown could play, you know, three and four, Jason Tatum can play three and four, Gordon Hayward could play two through four. So they'll have some interesting stuff, but. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I do feel like, you know, the Warriors ushered in this real like positional revolution, or I guess the Heat did before them, but the the Warriors have expedited it. Yeah. But yeah, I, all East teams should be, you know, again, it's going to be so easy to pick up wins against a lot of these bad teams. You might as well play around and try to figure out some look that's going to give the top teams trouble. Um, let's stay in the East. Let's go to the Sixers because they. Here's the depressing thing about this: they signed JJ Redick to one-year, twenty-three million dollar deal. That's their biggest free agent signing since Elton Brand back in two thousand eight. <laughs> I went back in pro sports transactions and went through every free agent signing they've had in the past decade. And that was easily the biggest one. So, like, they've handed their own restricted guys big deals. They got Andre Iguodala to a six-year, eighty million dollar deal. They did Thad Young to like five years, forty-three million or something. But Outside free agents, that's their biggest splash in the decade. They also got Amir Johnson one year's eleven million. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my perspective on this coming from the the Sixers side, Mort. And then I want you to tell me if I'm way off base here because I've seen some crazy criticism of, especially the Johnson contract, but also Reddick on Twitter, and I don't quite understand it. But I might just be too in the weeds from a Sixers side of things. So. The Sixers entered the offseason with about $50 million in cap space. They had a bunch of guys on rookie deals. Mm. Brian Colangelo said he wants to only sign guys to one-year deals. He wants to preserve future cap space. It's looking like half the teams in the NBA are going to be in the luxury tax next year. So the free agent market next year may even be more of a buyer's market than this year. So if you're signing a guy to a one-year deal, you're probably going to have to overpay him relative in terms of average annual value to a longer-term deal, it just you know you're, it's going to be hard to convince a guy to take a one-year, twenty-million-dollar deal if he has a three-year, sixty-million-dollar deal on the table. Right? Like you're going to have to give him more money for that one year. Redick conceptually is a perfect fit for what they needed. They needed a shooter to put alongside Fultz, or put between Fultz and Robert Covington, and they needed a veteran leader. Redick has been in the season, uh, been in the NBA for eleven seasons, hasn't missed the playoffs yet. Amir Johnson, same deal. He's not going to be as useful on the court because they just have so many young bigs that they need to get minutes for. But again, one year, eleven million. You probably have to overpay him a little bit. He's been in the playoffs four straight years. He's only thirty years old. He's just a tough, gritty, rugged defender. Going to be very valuable as a mentor for Joel Embiid, Rashawn Holmes. Maybe he even teaches his Jaleel Okafor to play defense. Um, they still have about 15 million left in cap space. They're basically out of roster spots. Furkan Korkmaz came over their first, one of their first round picks from last year. So at this point they're saving about, you know, whatever they have 15 million left. They're saving that money presumably to extend and renegotiate Robert Covington's contract, which they can't Absolutely. do until November. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of people saying like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you just overpaid Redick and like it's such a bad deal. Am I <laughs> like why why am I missing that this is a bad deal? Am I missing something or is this just a logical thing for the Sixers I, to do?
2: I think people are missing something. It's a one-year deal. Like okay, so people need to understand this. This isn't about the amount, it's about the years. The amount doesn't matter in a, on a one-year deal. It lit, literally does not matter if he got paid 30 million. Right. does not matter at all yeah. it's the flexibility that you gain of not tying up money in the future so this one season deal if people are calling that overpaid okay well what's the alternative what who do you want to, the Sixers to to go out and spend like a four-year deal on like
0: mm-hmm.
2: who was that guy Gordon Hayward wasn't walking through a door and even if he no. was like why would you sign him when you had Ben Simmons and Robert Covington and, you know, a whole bunch of forwards there, Dario Saric as well? Like, that wouldn't even make sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I mean, I-, I will say this. I thought the Amir Johnson deal was a little bit weird, mostly because his angles are shot. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, I-, I don't think he's going to play a lot. And that yeah. just seemed a little bit weird to me. But, I mean, look, from everything I've heard, Amir is a wonderful locker room guy and a great leader. Yep. And you can't really put a price tag on that. So eleven million for a guy who is primarily going to be a voice, while that sounds, you know, like a lot, it's a one year deal. It doesn't matter. Like pay the man, just show him your appreciation for being a, a mentor. That's fine. I-, I have zero problems with the Philly has done this year. Like if they had signed Reddick for like three years, sixty five million. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I probably would have taken it because I think Reddick's game is going to age well, right? but it would would still have been a little tougher to swallow, but had it been two years, 46, no problem whatsoever either. Like, that's not a long-term deal, and you can move it next year if push came to shove anyway. Mm -hmm. So, no, I don't think you're missing anything.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was just making sure I wasn't totally off base here because I, I love, I mean, yeah, the Amir Johnson deal, whatever. It's, you know, it's a lot of money for a guy who's not going to play that much, but as you said, great locker room presence, hopefully a good guy, you know, just to teach the kids something in practice. Like that's where he's going to make especially. Yeah. That's where he's going to make his money. He's not sure. He's not going to play much, but like he's going to impart valuable lessons to a core of guys None of whom who have reached the playoffs or even sniffed the playoffs. They haven't cracked thirty wins. So, like having those two guys around to teach teach them about like rest habits, teach them about the importance of having a good diet. Like there are all things that these guys, you know, this is gonna be Markel Fultz's first year in the NBA. This is Ben Simmons's yeah. first season because he missed his entire rookie season. These guys have not through, gone through the grind of a full eighty-two game season. Joel Embiid three years into his career has not gone through the grind of staying healthy through a full 82 game season. So got to lay having... off
2: the Shirley temples, Joe,
1: <laughs> he could do whatever he wants. He's is the prince. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just, it it's the price. If you don't have the roster spots to sign that many more guys, like it could come back to bite them. You know, it, right now with a Avery Bradley available, Avery Bradley would have been a great conceptual fit on this team so you know you can afford
2: him next year
1: right exactly so and like you're you're gonna boston's not just giving away those guys you're gonna have to give up something in exchange like i would not give up rashawn holmes and like removing the top one protection on that lakers pick for avery oh
2: god you have rashawn holmes as well jesus yeah (laughs) the the depth is so real
1: yeah and jonah bolden's showing flashes in summer league yeah
2: who's like a shot blocker slash three-point shooter Mm -hmm. For the center position, that's just, yeah.
1: Yeah, who's already better than Jalil Okafor.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Seriously, you guys have as much a problem in terms of a lock jam up front as Boston does with its small forwards right now.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, luckily, all those guys are locked up. You know, Saric has three more years on his deal. Simmons has three more years on his deal. I think Rashawn has two more years, so it's not as much of a pressing problem
2: as it is for Boston, but...
1: but yeah, it will be. It's going to be at some point, and it's... If
2: Boston needs a rebounder, like, if you could package Rashawn Holmes and some stuff for Avery Bradley.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, but not? that, again, you said it, like, they could afford him next summer and they don't have to give up anything. So, like, That's when Redick's yeah. deal expires, go after Avery Bradley, which I think it would not surprise me if they do that. You know, he's just such a perfect conceptual fit next to Fultz, especially.
2: Yeah, and um, he is like he he is the rich man's version of Redick anyway because he plays defense.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah, he's a little bit shorter, but right, he's not yeah. a complete tire fire on defense. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, those are your Sixers hot takes for the week. Everyone making fun of like, yeah, sure, it's weird that Redick is making twenty three million and now Kevin Durant is going to make twenty five, but like you cannot compare the two contracts uh, in a vacuum. Oh
2: God. Have you? Yeah. All right. So. Like, if, Someone I'm not going to name names.
1: Claims. Yeah, I'm not going to name names. But someone on Twitter the other day made that comparison and it was like you could not lack more nuance if you tried. But like the two just, teams
2: That's not even apples and oranges. That's like right. apples and a microphone. Doesn't even right. make sense.
1: Right. Exactly. The two teams could not be like further removed from you know right and
2: the situations as well because durant took a pay cut as well he he, yeah like what was it seven million off or nine million i'm not even sure well
1: yeah if he took if he wanted the full max it was nine million
2: yeah nine million right right and and he signed a one plus one so you know that money is gonna he's gonna get his money (laughs) and and again one year deal i mean really why are you having having this debate right now it's a one-year it doesn't matter let's move yeah. on right I, okay. you started it let's move on
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right cool uh all right let's go to the kings uh george hill three years 57 million i think it, the third right. year is either partially guaranteed or yeah. fully partially guaranteed right yes uh zach randolph two years 24 million another pair of signings that seem to be controversial on twitter and i'm not
2: quite sure why no, no, that was excellent value. Right? And yeah, it was. And and look, in a previous podcast, I think we were recording with Kelly Skelet at the time, I said that I wanted to see De'Aaron Fox just start right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, give him thirty five minutes and just you know, balls to the wall. Yep. And that's fine. I, I'm still behind that logic, but if you get a good deal, you get a good deal. Yeah. George Hill on that contract is a wonderful deal. Like, that—that yes. that is excellent value. So what you get is a guy who is immediately going to step in and be a difference maker. He's also going to parlay wisdom upon De'Aaron Fox as well. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful part about it is George Hill can play the two. Yep. So you can actually slide him around if need be. If Buddy Hill starts off cold. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. Stephen Curry 2.0 starts <laughs> off cold. Then you just slide George Hill in at the two. It's the the flexibility is amazing, mm-hmm. the value is even more amazing. There's nothing to dislike with the George Hill signing at all. Zach Randolph, I'm kind of indifferent to that deal. It's like it's fine, it's it's okay. I, I have no quorums with it at all. Like he's a he's a he's a smart grid and grind player. He plays primarily on the inside, so maybe he can teach rebounding techniques or something like that i mean it's it doesn't really move the needle anywhere but it's it's fine i guess but the big get here is george hill and, and yeah. uh i i get why it seemed weird i know that a lot of people on twitter like you i saw that a lot of people were like oh well, they should just take on bad deals and
1: mm-hmm.
2: whatnot and then our buddy mark deeks made an excellent point which was you can't really have a whole bunch of kids just running around they have plenty <laughs> right. of they have plenty of youth yeah like you need to have guys alongside that and and also like his his entire point was a good deal is always a good deal regardless if you're in a rebuild position or if you're contending like it doesn't matter where you are a good deal is always a good deal and you should take advantage of it right I agree with that logic so yeah yeah I mean good on Sacramento I mean what the hell has happened there? <laughs> no. yeah, I,
1: mean,
2: right? do, I was, I was thinking, I'm, I'm not sure how popular these comics are in America, but here in Europe, they're pretty big. Asterix and Obelix. it uh, is this like Greek? All right. But basically they, it, it's, it's a comic about some, uh, in, back in, in, in old Italy and Gre- in Greece and whatnot. And, there's this thing they can they can drink this potion that makes them incredibly strong and incredibly wise and whatnot. It seems like <laughs> seems like Divas just dug into that, just made a pot up and it just drank the whole thing because something just changed. Yeah, immediately. Just I'm I'm not sure what happened, but I mean I'm very impressed.
1: I am too. I mean. I- Again, I saw it on Twitter. I I get the argument against it, right? You want to give playing time to your young guys. Uh, Right. This is the year. Like, why are you trying to win right now? You have no chance of making the playoffs. Deeks, I think, was the one who made this point, too. Like, the Hill and Zebo signings don't preclude them from still being very bad. Like, they're still going to rely on a lot (laughs) of young kids. That's right. And they're going against, again, a West that has 12 other teams that are playoff caliber. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they still might be in the top five or six. And then they don't have their pick in 2019. So, like, they have less incentive to tank than, you know, a team that's got plenty of their own picks in the future. But they still might suck. First of all, right. Second, as you mentioned, you know, it's great veteran leadership. Yeah. They've like, they have De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald as their front court or their backcourt of the future. But as you said, George Hill can play either position, going to be a great veteran leader for them both. And that, I mean, that's the same value. George Hill, three years, 57 million with only a partial guarantee. That's the same value that Jeff Teague got in Minnesota. Right. I'd much rather have George Hill than Jeff Teague at the same price
2: point. I'm pretty sure the tips is secretly going <clears throat> right
0: now yeah, because,
1: I, yeah, I wonder if Hill had a higher asking price because there were reports last off season or last uh like toward the beginning of last season they turned down I think it was a four year 80 million extension with Utah yeah. so I'm wondering if he had inflated oh, yeah. expectations based For on last sure. year yeah and then once he realized the market was a little cold mm-hmm. he went but yeah, I mean, I just that deal is going to be so easily flippable down the line if need be. Like, you could easily flip that contract if, if a contender loses their point guard. There yeah. you go, right? Like, people are saying, "Well, you shouldn't sign players; so you can take bad contracts and get assets." I mean, a lot of teams now have the flexibility to do that. Like, there are, there are about fifteen teams that are going to be in cap hell, and then like Atlanta has thirty some million, I think. Uh, Chicago has a lot of money Indiana has a lot of money Brooklyn mm. assuming this auto Porter uh, offer sheet gets max they have a lot of money like Sacramento would be competing with a bunch of other teams to take the bad contracts and pick up whatever assets you can so it's not like they were the only team that would have had cap space you know so yeah hell yeah I like the zebo signing up with you it, it's yeah it's, it's fine yeah, it doesn't bother me. It's two years. I mean, they have a bunch. Again, it's like Philly. They have a bunch of young bigs. You know, they have right. Scal and Willie Cauley-Stein and now Harry Giles and Papianis. Like, they have a bunch of young guys. Zebo will be a great influence on them. Oh, he'll kick their
2: ass. That's the right, thing. Right, exactly. Like, he'll kick their ass in practice. Like, he'll get them game ready. I'm, I'm sure of it. And to go back to, like, the, the backcourt for a second, just to wrap that up, even if we take, like, a basketball approach to it, if you have a three guard rotation primarily, mm-hmm. like yep. for the two, for the two guard spots, that's 32 minutes at night for each. Right. plenty yeah. of time. You're not, you know, De'Aaron Fox might not even crack 28. Like I want yeah. him to play 35, but you know the Kings might say, you know what, well, 28, 25, maybe if you go a little low. And Buddy Hield might even might not crack more than 30 anyway. So there are plenty of minutes to go around as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's, you can also so, tinker
1: with, like, you could put Buddy Heald at the three at times if you like. If sure. we're talking about creativity here, like, right. you know, throw throw shit at the wall. You're Sacramento, yeah. like you're, you're not yeah. going to make the playoffs this year in all likelihood. See if Heald can play some small ball three, and then like you could have you could conceivably have a lineup with Fox, Hill, and Heald all on the floor at the same time. Yep,
2: there's I seen no downsides of this whatsoever. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: okay, weird so times. I know. glad we reached a consensus there alright let's talk before we go back to the Warriors let's talk your boy Taj Gibson going to the Wolves two years I 28 million you did you've been on this for about three months now oh actually, no 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 no. no. More since than the OKC that, trade yeah. yeah yeah so five months I should say um, how do you like Gibson's fit in Minnesota and did you like
2: that value for him oh I hate his fit in Minnesota that's why I've been talking about it for six months uh <laughs> No, it's wonderful. I I think he is just such a tips guy, and with Jimmy coming in, it just it, this was just like the perfect roll of the dice for a power forward. Like I'm sure they went after Millsap initially, and then Millsap crossed them off their list. That's fine, mm. makes sense. Um, and then Tosh is right there, and and I know that he is declining slightly. But, you know, he's 32, but his game is still so effective. He's a high-intensity defensive forward who can rebound, who's still athletic at his age. Like, he's not a guy who is, who's got shot angles or shot knees or whatever. He can still get up there. He can switch on to smaller players. He can even run the court very effectively for a big, especially as a trailer. Like, I can't even count the a number of times. I've t- seen Taz grab a board, throw it out to a guard, just sprint down the court and end up with a lob. Like that's there's that's that opportunity is gonna be there because you you're gonna have Jimmy running the court you're gonna have Andrew and Carl running the court as well. Like nobody's gonna pay attention to tarts Gibson. So you know he's he's gonna get a lot of easy baskets and at the same time he is a wonderful teacher. Like everything mm-hmm. about him is just so unselfish. Everything you hear about Taj, he, he took like the lu all dang approach where it was always like an arm around your shoulder. It was kind words. It was in practice, you know, it it was encouragement in practice. It was, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. He is going to be great for both towns and also Gorgie Jang, honestly, even though, yeah, Gorgie is, is I 26. I want to say something like that, Mm -hmm. but still, I mean, Taj can still, you know, teach him a bunch of stuff as well. So This is going to be good all around. And now Tips has two former guys who can sort of teach everyone that this is how Tips operate. If if, if anyone on the T-walls were sort of hesitant as to how Tips functioned last year, now you have Jimmy, now you have Taj coming in, letting these stars know, don't worry about it. Tips loves you. It's just, this, this is his way. We're going to do it this and this and this way. And you're going to see this and this return from it if you put in the work. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this transition is going to be very, very smooth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that people seem to be worried about is the spacing, right? Because in theory, right. I guess Teague somewhere, is either Teague or Carl anthony Towns is your best three-point shooter right now, which yeah. is not ideal. Yeah. So are you worried about that at all?
2: Yes, um, obviously. The thing is, though, we shouldn't forget that Carl Anthony Towns, he did knock down 100 threes last year, mm-hmm. 101 actually. And he's probably going to get a lot better as a shooter as well. So mm-hmm. if, you, if he increases that volume and percentage, and Andrew Wiggins does as well, because last year he also you know took a step up shooting-wise. So if we expect him to do similar things this year, and if Jimmy can maintain that 37% level that he did last year,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then we're at least off to a good start. Having yeah. said that, it's not the end game. You need to fill out that bench with shooters.
1: Yeah, and you've got Bialika, who is a decent shooter, a big man, yeah. obviously, but you know. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, like he's like a decent shooter, he's not like like a zone buster, right? So you right. need a zone buster. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It it'll be a concern, but I, I don't think it's gonna trip Minnesota up on route to the playoffs. But we'll see. And the West is the West. So <laughs> It's going to be tricky for any team not named Warriors, Spurs, or Rockets to make it in there. So let's end this week talking about the Warriors. We mentioned the Supermax for Stephen Curry last episode. uh, The Warriors have been pretty busy since then. They got... So Andre Iguodala, after some heavy flirting uh, with pretty much every team in the West, came back on a three-year $48 million deal. Uh, Kevin Durant surprised everyone. Uh, He was, so he couldn't get, I mean, because the the Warriors didn't own his bird rights, if he wanted his full max, which is around, you know, close to 35, but somewhere in the 34 million range, they would have had to renounce Iggy Livingston. That was never going to happen. So they could have given him the non-bird max. It was around 31.3 million, I think. He decided to take 25 as the first year. So it's a two-year, 53 million-ish deal with a second-year player option, which he will clearly decline. Using the savings, or, I mean, (laughs) you could basically say they deferred the savings of that to sign Nick Swaggy P. Young to a one-year, $5.2 million deal. They also got Omri Caspi one year on the veterans minimum. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what,
2: let's go. And Jordan Bell. Oh yeah, right. Three and a half million cash <laughs> in the draft.
1: Right. Yes, they stole Jordan Bell from the Chicago Bulls. Uh, first of all, before we even say that, can I just say teams need to stop selling picks to the fucking Warriors. Like, if the Warriors call you and ask for a pick, just hang up the goddamn phone,
2: right? Well, against the Bulls, they well, The Bulls <laughs> gave up a grand total of six draft picks for the experiment of Doc McDermott.
1: <laughs> that is that is true. So, that is true. Yeah, yeah but like. Where if you're if you're all really trying to beat them, don't help them get stronger. Like just yeah. don't let them take your picks. Just God, mm-hmm. like because Patrick McCaw last year with the Bucks, you know the Bucks sold Patrick McCaw yeah. and for even less than the Bulls or so Joan Bell. But like the Warriors are going to be in in luxury tax hell very soon. Don't help them get cheap players. Make <laughs> them pay out the ass so they have to get rid of one of their good guys. It's Oh that's crazy uh, all right, but let's talk about Durant first. what do you think of his de- his decision to give up so much money?
2: Well, if it meant keeping Iggy around and Sean Livingston around that's pretty selfless mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty awesome yeah. uh, i I do hate the fact that a millionaire is going to save a billionaire money yeah. that the the overall line of thinking there I always hate that I think a guy should get paid what he's worth mm-hmm but I get it. He, they want to build this dynasty. And he's, he's looking at the big picture right now. Like Durant, at this stage of his career, he's not looking at scoring titles. He's not looking at individual accolades. He's looking to get those three, four championships down. And he's doing everything in his power to make that happen. Because he knows whatever money he's giving up, He's gonna make in the other end like commercials, shoe deals, whatever. He's he's nearing that that area where he's becoming a simple.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: now he's trying to just pull it all forward because his legacy is gonna take care of him financially. Right. I mean, look, there there's not gonna be any monetary needs from, from his perspective. And getting Caspi, Nick Young, like those are the acquisitions that just Makes your dynasty like in the mm-hmm. long run. Yep. If Nick Young could have a good season and Caspi as well, for that matter, they could re-sign again next year for the minimum, both mm-hmm. of them, and yep. then you just carry that on like that. This is the Steve Kerr, Judd Bushler acquisitions of the old Bulls. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm absolutely loving what Durant is doing for the sake of the team, even though he should get paid more, right? <laughs> but no, it, it's. The Warriors have had an A plus offseason so far. It's yeah. ridiculous how well they've they've pulled through here with everything. You would all honestly think it was it was David Griffin running their their operations <laughs> because he did so much for the Cavs, like right. there were no available things and, and right, right, yeah. So it's it's been amazing for them. I mean, yeah. I can't even wrap my head around how good a summer they had.
1: I know. Yeah. I mean, they replaced Ian Clark. James Michael McAdoo and Matt Barnes with uh, Nick Young, Omri mm-hmm. Caspi, Jordan Bell. Like, they've got they got better on the fringes, and that's where... Did they where,
2: renounce Ian Clark? Uh,
1: I don't know if they have, actually. Yeah, maybe they'll even bring him back. And right. Joville McGee is still floating out there. He's flirting with... For a minimum? Uh, yeah. I mean, and Zaza's still out there, too.
2: That bench could make the playoffs.
1: <laughs> yeah, in the East...
2: Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But to the the Durant point first. I mean, like his show, his shoe deal is big enough where money doesn't matter, right? Like all of those top tier superstars are making more money off the court than they are on the court. Mm. Yeah, it's a status symbol to make the max, but he's gonna get his money once they have his full bird rights. It's just he needed, he was gonna kick it down a year or two, and like. I get the argument like, yeah, he should have taken 31.4 million, you know, screw the Warriors owners, make them pay out the ass. But like, you know, that's, if he wants to take less, no one should criticize him for it. That's his decision. Oh, no,
2: no, no. no. I'm not, if you thought yeah. that,
1: that was a, no, no, no I'm not criticizing no, no. Durant at all. No, I, I mean, not, yeah, you weren't, but like, I have seen some people wonder, saying like, well, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you making this sacrifice? Like, Look back to the San Antonio Spurs. In oh, the last twenty pe- people years, people
2: are silly. Come on, man! Look, when a, when a guy's making a lot of money, people are complaining about that guy making a lot of money. Oh, he's overpaid and blah right. blah blah. Then when someone actually sacrifices something, people are all about. Oh, why did they do? You know, that's that's people. People right. are weird. Right. But that's when it comes it... to money, we just can't get into that same world because look, <laughs> right. I mean, I've. I, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna do it. Right. I'm gonna open. Here's my here's my wallet, Brian. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> open it right now. I'm, I'm gonna find something that is equivalent to about oh two dollars and thirty seven cents. I can't. Okay. I'm not in that mindset of giving up millions and or hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm, I'm not even there. I'm just I'm just gonna say, you know what? Let them do what they do. Yeah. I, I the only point I'm gonna make is that I think billionaire owners. They, they should never, like, ask millionaires to give something up. It just seems weird. That's the right. only thing. That's the only place where I am at. In but I, to,
1: I'm yeah. wondering, like, I, that is such a big pay cut that I don't feel like it came from the Warriors, right? Like, I feel like Kevin Durant. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. he was the one who came to them and was like... Because yeah. they've, bro- they've been bracing for 31.3 or 31.4, whatever mm. that non-Burn figure is. And then the report came out, I think it was uh, Monday or Tuesday where it was like, Oh no, he's taking 25. And it was just like, Whoa.
2: Okay. Randy is right. He's riding the entire love city. Yeah. You know Thing going. He's, he's in a tent somewhere, smoking some very fun tobacco <laughs> and just having fun sharing it. And
0: yeah,
2: you know, he's, he's, he's having fun. I mean, right. he's enjoying where he's at right now. Everything is just Kumbaya. And yep. it's, it's kind of wonderful. Actually.
1: Yeah. I know. It's really nice. And, like, He's back on Twitter, which is great. Everyone missed Kevin Durant on Twitter. Um, yeah, I just, I don't have a problem with it. Because, again, we've seen it with the Spurs. Dirk Nowitzki's been doing it for two decades with the Mavericks. The Heat all did it. They all took, like, $20 million less with LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh to team up. So, like, yeah, he didn't need to. I mean, he was allowed to take 31. He could have he if he wanted to. And I think the Warriors would have been fine with that but I'm also cool with him taking less like good for him. If he feels financially secure and he wants to save his owners a few bucks now. So they pay more down the line. That's, you know, that's fine. Like do you, do you Kevin Durant? No one, none of us should criticize what he's doing. Cause I, frankly, if it was our teams, we'd all be ecstatic. Like if Joel Embiid doesn't want a five-year max next deal next year. And he's like, yeah, I'll sign for four years, 40 million. That's awesome. You know, I, whatever it doesn't it just it shouldn't none of this should be in a fan or a writer or a blogger's purview like we we should not you know it's bad enough that writers have control over the all nba teams which actually has severe ramifications (laughs) financial ramifications for people like you know anthony davis or gordon hayward or paul george this year like Mm -hmm. we should leave the money part out of it so that's that's my. I, I would context. I would
2: agree with that. I would agree with that. Like, y- I saw some of the votes for all defensive team. Oh my god, I <laughs> I don't even. I think I Thomas got a vote,
1: yeah. I Damian mean,
2: Lillard got a vote. Da- yeah, Lillard. Like, yeah. if you're not gonna take it seriously, right? When you actually can affect the player's paycheck, yeah, then you really shouldn't have that vote,
1: right? At yeah. all.
2: Exactly. It seems irresponsible to me.
1: Yeah yeah uh all right so next time around we will talk more about the free agent signings that come or we'll hit some of the more minor ones as well we'll also talk the big winners and losers of the offseason and then we'll get some in get into hot summer league take territory so you can finally rant and rave about donovan mitchell mort
2: oh you mean the upcoming rookie of the year
1: Right, the the next Michael Jordan, as you have proclaimed Oh, him? No, I, that
2: that I did not say. Come on now. Uh, By the way, in regards to loser in the in 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 the summertime, like let's rejoice a little bit because there aren't a lot of losers. We can always spoiler alert, but you know, nope. No I could bad think of ones.
1: I could think of one big uh, oh, one. Oh yeah,
2: well, sure, there are a couple when you look back at the draft, but in terms of free agency, at least, like no yeah. big time bad contract has been given out. That's amazing. We're this is the July sixth that we have not had a Timofey Moscow contract. That is true, yeah. That's wonderful. It is. Well,
1: it's. I mean, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's oh wonderful yeah, right. For you want to see? The, I, yeah, yeah, I really. Yeah, you like want to watch the KS. world burn? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's I'm true. kind of bummed, but that's uh, kudos to NBA GMs for realizing that spending money just because you have it is a really bad idea. You can always save it and roll it over until next year. So. Uh, just again wanted to remind you all that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod in our bio you can find all of our Twitter handles so give us a follow as well also check us out on iTunes we'd love it if you subscribe download leave some reviews any feedback would be great Um, and check us out on FanRag Sports at FanRag Sports on Twitter and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA it will be very busy all summer I'm still pumping out some fantasy takes about free agents I'll have a fantasy preview coming out In August, one of every team every day. So lots of good stuff, even as we head into the dark days of the offseason. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporik, and I was joined today by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. I will. I'm going to watch Spider Man right now, so yeah. Very jealous. You'll have to let us know how it is on the next episode.
2: I will. All right. Take care, Brian. You too.
0: Motivation with Amazon Music.
2: You're still in
0: bed? Didn't you go running? Ah, uh, I
2: overslept. I'll go tomorrow.
0: I'm getting in the shower. Alexa, set an alarm for 5 a.m. tomorrow to Hard Rock Music. <laughs>
2: okay the right song exactly when you need it. Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you love. New customers start your 30-day free trial at AmazonMusic.com, Renews automatically cancel anytime.
1: Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...
2: At Ace, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. This Friday through Sunday, get our 5-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And, like Ace, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you.
0: Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions
2: and exclusions apply. See store for details.